We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Bulls made three or four really sharp moves to start off creating. How about it? Uh, I know we've been we're negative a lot on this podcast. We're going to be uh, pretty positive here with, as you mentioned, uh, the Bulls doing some really good things in free agency. I know when we did our free agency preview, we basically kind of just said. Don't really expect too much. Hopefully, they'll just make some moves. I don't want to say on the margins. Basically, add some role players. Try to get give the team more depth. Give them a more air of respectability as they try to move forward in this rebuild. And that's basically what they've done. They started right away, right when free agency opened. Uh, they signed Thaddeus, or they agreed to a deal with Thaddeus Young, three years, forty-one million dollars. Was with the Pacers last year. That third year's got some type of guarantee on it. We're not totally sure what it is yet, but. I know a lot of people are talking about 2021, keeping flexibility for that summer. I'm not even that worried about that yet, but whatever. They, the partial guarantee on that third year, it seems like. Uh, and then they go and do a sign-and-trade deal. Tomas Sadoransky from the Wizards. The Bulls apparently just like kind of pilfering from the Wizards these days. So he's going to be reuniting with Otto Porter Jr. That's three years, $30 million. Once again, uh, partial guarantee in the third year. Not sure what that is yet. Point guards, shooting guards, small forward, really just solid, solid kind of a versatile guard. Uh, and then we got they resigned Ryan Archigiacono, three years, nine million. Uh, they used the early bird rights to resign him. Uh, and then they, in the last deal that they just did, was Luke Cornett was a big man. Big, they'll be the backup center from the New York Knicks. I know he torched the Bulls in one of the games at the end of the year when the Bulls and Knicks were both. Uh, tankathons. I think he had a career high, like 24 points. Guy basically just chucks threes and is a decent shot blocker, but basically just filling out their whole roster. They got a great third big man in Thad Young. They got possibly their starting point guard in Sadoransky. Re- bringing back Archie Giacono to be what third, fourth point guard. We'll talk about Chris Dunn later. And then Cornette, backup big man. We'll see what happens with Daniel Gafford. I would guess Cornette might be the, the backup center. Felicio is probably out of the picture. Who knows what will happen there, but we'll see that. They basically, they've kind of just added all across the roster. I feel like they could still use another wing. The roster is almost full at this point, but again, Again, they might maybe they move Chris Dunn. They might still have the room exception. I'm not totally sure how they signed Cornette if he used any of that. But just four, uh, just real solid deals, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, 
you look at what the Bulls did in free agency, this almost feels like realistically the best case scenario to me. And it feels like a totally different change of approach from what we've seen the Bulls do over the last five or 10 years. I think, you know, what free, what free agency has been defined by for the Bulls uh, during this decade has been chasing big names who put up empty stats. It's like the only stat the Bulls looked at heading into free agency for this entire decade was points per game. Most of the rumors that were coming out ahead of free agency were they were interested in guys like Enos Cantor. They were interested Randall. in Julius Randle. And that really worried me, but I totally believed it because that seemed in line with what the Bulls, uh, how the Bulls typically handle free agency. And then they come out with clearly like moves that they identified in the future. They get Fed Young done uh, right away. They target Sadoransky. That's done the next day. So... Uh, I think that the Bulls came out and made some really sharp moves to improve the team. Uh, in Thad Young, you have a third big man who can play with either Carter or Markinen. In Sedaransky, you have a new starting point guard, a guy who I think will be fine being the fifth option on offense, which is really going to be a big difference yep. between him and Chris Dunn because Dunn, uh, while he could get hot offensively and he had a lot of ability on defense, to me, when he got his offense cooking, it was usually coming at the expense of the team. So to have someone like Sadoransky, his usage rate was six or seven points less than Dunn's was in his uh, true shooting percentage was like more than 10 points higher. Sadoransky had a 60% or 59% true shooting percentage. Chris Dunn was only at like 48% last year. So he's an efficient scorer, but he's someone who doesn't take a lot of shots or turn the ball over a lot. He was top 20 uh, in the NBA this past season, assist to turnover ratio. I love his size and versatility in the backcourt. At six foot seven, you can play the one or the two. Maybe you even put him in some three guard lineups. Uh, so, you know, that's the thing that really jumps out to me about this free agency, Jason, is first of all, just how targeted all these signings were. The way, you know, they just came out and got it done. They didn't like wait till the end of free agency and try to go after a big name. Uh, they went after guys who, quite frankly, are analytics darlings, and that's never something we would expect to say about the Bulls in the past. And, uh, you know, I really think that now it, it's going to be a conversation we're going to be having from this point on, like, can the Bulls make the playoffs? And, you know, we'll save that talk maybe for the end of this podcast, but uh, that is how much they improved the team, I think, with the four signings they've made so far in free agency. Yeah, let's, so let's just kind of go through, obviously you talked a bit about Saransky. Let's kind of just go through each guy individually. So I, we'll start right away, Thad Young. I was when I, I was wrote an article for him uh, about him for Forbes, just a quick little write-up on the signing. Uh, he actually had like one of the best seasons of his career last year. If you just go through and look some of the numbers, not like not like overall numbers, like he averaged like it was uh, 12.6 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.5 steals. But if you look, it's just he shot. He was really efficient, 52.7% shooting overall. He's not the greatest three-point shooter, but 35% on two attempts a game, that's not bad. If you But if you go and look at some of the uh, just like the advanced numbers for him, uh, they were some of the best of his career. Uh, let me pull them up right here. Yeah, so like his he had like the his best VORP, uh, the value over replacement player tops of his career. Uh, his box plus minus tops of his career last year. His win shares were second best of his career. Uh, so like in in uh, true shooting percentage was almost fifty seven percent. So like and basically a lot of these numbers he had a great great season uh, as a member of the Pacers. He was their starting starting power forward. That the Pacers won what was it forty eight games last year, and that was despite. Despite Oladipo missing a good chunk of the season, 
And just as as a third big, like I mean, that's fantastic. And like the last couple of years, like we've seen the Bulls backup power forwards. It's been like Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, dudes like dudes who can get buckets but just can't really. They they're just awful defenders. Portis is an absolutely terrible big defender. We've clowned Jabari enough for his defense. Thad Young is a guy who's going to come out and play some defense. The one point five steals per game steals don't always mean everything, but he has consistently been a guy who's made plays. Uh, on the defensive end, uh, I think it was there was a stat. I think Stefan No looked up where he was one of the league leaders in like loose balls recovered per game. I mean, so just that kind of stuff, forcing steals, playing both ends, hustle, work ethic. I know the guys, the Pacers uh, guys, just basically just lauded him. I know Kevin Pritchard, uh, the Pacers president, came out and had some nice words from him on Twitter. Just how they're really gonna they're really gonna miss him. Just I mean, just sounds like a, a, a Jim Boylan guy. Just he's a hard nose guy great work ethic he'll bring that veteran leadership and he'll play hard on both ends so like i mean that's exactly i feel like what they needed in the front court especially with a couple young guys in in larry mark and wendell carter jr they've lost robin lopez he's going to play with brooke lopez and the bucks which would be awesome by the way but now that they lost that veteran presence they bring one right in with thaddeus young i feel like uh the deal is fair it's what four, 14 million a year for a, a really good third big man who's basically just uh, I think he's 31, 32 years old. He should have a few good years left in him. So, yeah, and the Bulls struck right away on that one. They clearly targeted him, targeted him right away. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if this might have been a little Doug Collins action because I believe Thad played for Doug Collins in Philadelphia. So is this like Doug Collins actually making his mark here? Either way, real solid signing, I think. Yeah, I've got some thoughts just on the decision-making process in the front office. I'll say for a little bit later in this podcast. But in terms of Thad Young, what I really like about him right away is that he can play with Carter or Markman. He can play with Carter because last year he was able to uh, stretch it out a little bit with his three-point shot. I think he hit 35% of his threes. Yep. Uh, he was taking more than he really ever has before in his career. Uh, so I, I like that he has like developed the outside touch, which obviously is an essential part for a power forward. But really, Fed Young is good because he's just so strong. He's just going to bull rush you going left pretty much every yeah. time. Uh, but soft touch around the rim, I think that you know he has that combination of power and finesse that uh, the Bulls really need at the four, and that that's going to be able to pair well with uh, Carter and Markkinen because in lineups with Markkinen, you know small ball looks, basically Lowry at the five. I think having a guy like Thad, who's a really good rebounder, who's a super smart defensive player, uh, is going to allow those looks to prosper. So the Bulls now give themselves a lot of different options in the front court. People don't realize how good Thaddeus Young is defensively. He was probably the second best defensive player on the third best defensive team in the NBA last year. The Pacers finished number three in defensive efficiency. Uh, Miles Turner, probably the Pacers uh, yeah. defensive player, just because... Yeah, he was like a defensive player of the year candidate, I think Miles Turner was, so definitely. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Thad, very good, for sure. Yeah, but Thaddeus Young was the glue that held that defense together. So uh, I think defensively, you know, if you want to grade him, he's like, you know, either probably an A- or B-plus defensively, and then on offense, he's like a B-minus or a B. So it's a rare instance of the Bulls actually identifying a two-way player actually identifying a guy who could give him uh, some lineup versatility. And I just think that Thad Young's defensive ability and his uh, and the way he can replace some of the post-scoring they lost with Robin Lopez and be able to stretch it out a little bit. Smart player, skilled player, love the signing for the Bulls. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then we move on to Tomas Sadoransky. Obviously, you meant, talked some of the numbers about him before. Six foot seven. Uh, he started 54 games for John Wall last year after he got hurt at point guard. I feel like the Wizards kind of seems like they didn't really use him right. It seems like I, I, I'm surprised that they let him go, to be honest. Like they went out and they got Ish, like Wall's still out. He might miss the whole year. And then they went out and got Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. Like, I mean, the Wizards are just kind of a hot mess in general. They don't, they haven't even really, they haven't given the, the Tommy Shepard, whatever his name is, like the full time job. I was surprised they let him go. It seems like they just kind of misused him in general there the last couple of years. When he got an, when he got an opportunity again with Wall, with Wall out as the starting point guard, just really solid both ends of the floor, really good shooter. And one of the things you mentioned was that he, he can be effective in that low usage role. Uh, like his volume has never been that high, but the efficiency was there. Uh, let me pull it up. He, a couple of years ago, he shot like 45% from three. Oh, no, it was 47% from three. Only 1.4 attempts per game, but that's still really good. This past season, it was almost 40% from three uh, on two attempts per game. And I know as a starter, he shot over 40% from three in those 40 games. Uh, nine points, five assists, three and a half rebounds. You mentioned the assist to turnover rate. He had one of the best assists to turnover rates in the, in the entire league last season. I think he was in like the top 20 if you look at big minutes, guys. So just like, and you got to get, he played, he could play the one. It seems like he's going to get a chance to, to be the possibly be the starting point guard. He could be a backup two, possibly a backup three if they want to play really small lineups. Uh, so just, uh, I, I think we had briefly mentioned him on our preview pod that I wasn't really sure if he was attainable. Clearly he was. And uh, again, another really nice move. The Bulls did have to give up. Some draft capital to get him. I think they some weird stuff with second round picks. I think like I think one of the second rounders involved in like the Porter trade. Like that's like four or five years down the line. Like I think like protections were taken off. I think there was a swap in there. Something else. Like it was. It's basically stuff. Just like whatever. Four, three four years down the line, the Bulls got, wanted their guy. They got him at a reasonable price. Again, ten million a year for he's twenty seven years old for a possible starting point guard for at least maybe this year. We'll see, and then it, if once Kobe White takes over, he can play multiple positions. He could be the backup one. He could be the backup two. Uh, another just really solid signing there. Yeah, to be able to get someone with that size, six foot seven point guard, immediately love that. Love his catch and shoot ability. He's someone who's shot a high percentage because he doesn't take difficult looks. Basically, Thomas Benaranski's entire game is that he values making the right play over trying to look for his own numbers. Uh, he's someone who, as we said, is going not going to be a guy who's like really beating you off the dribble in terms of penetration. Uh, I think in terms of guys who are going to be breaking down defenses off the dribble, it's basically going to be Zach Levine for the Bulls. Hopefully, Markinen can develop it a little bit, and then you know we'll see what they can get on the bench out of Kobe, out of Denzel Valentine, some other guys. Uh, but Sedaransky is really good just because he makes the right plays, a smart passer, doesn't turn it over, and awesome is a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So uh, I think to be able to get someone who's going to turn 28 uh, at the onset of the season fits so well with this timeline. As you mentioned earlier, they also get some protection on that third year. So if the Bulls do want to try to become the new Nats and make the playoffs for the next two years in hopes of luring a superstar in 2021, uh, I think that, you know, that that's probably what the plan is going to be, and that's why they tried to give themselves some outs on these deals for Thaddeus Young and Sadoransky. Uh, really like the Sadoransky move. I think it's going to be a huge upgrade over what the Bulls had at point guard last season. I think that it's nice that Kobe White will be able to develop slowly. He's only 19 years old. You don't want to throw him into the fire 
and uh, now Kobe White, you know, you play him in lineups with Sadaransky, where they're both sort of interchangeable in terms of who's the lead point guard. Uh, you can you can just do a lot of different things because of Sadaransky's size and his catch and shoot ability. And he's someone who I think for the first time in years the Bulls have a point guard who makes his teammates better. They haven't had that since you know the peak of the Rondo year, uh, but in general Rondo was kind of a disaster that season, but. Uh, especially in the playoff series against the Celtics. And really towards the end of the year, I felt like he started cooking a little bit. But point guard has been such a bad position for the Bulls the last two seasons. They really, really improved the team with this signing. Yeah, for sure. Interesting just to bring up, it looked like uh, the Bulls were actually, Casey said that the Bulls were actually going to probably sign Darren Collison, which is, I I feel like I'm almost happier with Sadransky over Collison. Collison, and he retired out of nowhere to be to do his Jehovah's Witness thing, I guess, and to be with his family. Collison was a really solid player the last couple of years. I know he did have some domestic violence issues, which would have been kind of thorny. He was a good shooter, veteran player, but I think I kind of like getting Sadransky and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I guess we don't know for sure if they actually would have signed Collison, but. Instead, we get a younger. The Bulls get a younger player, a guy a little more versatile because of his size. Play all these different positions. I feel like I kind of like that better. And especially, and you look at Sadaransky's three or thirty million dollar deal. You look at a guy like Corey Joseph who got three thirty seven from the uh, from the Kings. Like I feel like Sadaransky is probably a better player. Joseph's a a nice player. Another guy I thought the Bulls might look at. and the they get the Bulls get a better deal. I feel like on Sadaransky than the Kings got on Corey Joseph. Uh, if we look at some of the other point guard deals that were out there, like George Hill, basically got the same deal as as Sadaransky did. I'll take Sadaransky at this point as well. Like George Hill's getting up there in age, so like I feel like given like what was out there on the point guard market, some of the other guys we saw, uh, Beverly got what three forty to stay with the Clippers. I'm not surprised that he that he ended up going back there. Like the feel the Bulls got a really nice deal there for uh, out of this point guard market. Yeah, I'd rather have Sadoransky than either of the two Pacers point guards last year, Darren Collison uh, or Corey Joseph. I'd rather have him than Pat Bev, I think, just because he's younger. Uh, yeah. He's much taller. I think he gives you more line of versatility. So just really a great move by the Bulls uh, to bring in Sadoransky. I'm surprised that the Wizards let him go for yeah, that. I don't get it. But then again, the Wizards don't have a GM. The Bulls already totally <laughs> ripped them off in the Otto Porter Jr. trade. Now they fleece them for Sadoransky. Uh Bulls, why stop now? Go get Bradley Beal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that was crazy. Yeah, I don't know. what The, the Wizards, the, they, in that, look at that Otto Porter trade. Like they, They've already lost Portis, and it looks like Jabari's not coming back either. And Jabari, Both guys actually did pretty well for them after that trade. So, But so basically it's like Otto Porter's kind of turned into like a salary dump. And I think Kelly Oubre Jr. has kind of done the same thing as well. I really have no idea what the Wizards are doing. But yeah, I guess another thing about Sadoransky, and this also, also goes with Thad Young, is these are guys, knock on wood, have been pretty durable so far in their career. Like Thad Young has played uh, at least, I think it was like 73 games in 10 of his 12 NBA seasons. Sadoransky played 80 games last year, 73 two years ago. So these are guys who've been able to stay on the court, which is – I mean, some of that can just be luck, unlucky stuff. But the Bulls, we know, had a ton of problems with injuries the last couple of years. So to get a couple of guys who have so far been pretty durable in their NBA careers, also really nice. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, hopefully they can stay healthy because yeah, just said, knock on wood. Undermine the Bulls last year in Fed Young. You get your third big man in Sadoransky. You get your starting point guard. Uh, you know, if you think the Bulls can even have like reasonable health this year, where marketing can play hopefully at least 70 games where Carter can play 70 games. Uh, Levine can play 70 games. I mean, the 
the win total should be way higher than last year. Like with these two signings in particular, Thad Young and Thomas Sadaransky, I think the Bulls took themselves out of the cellar of the NBA. Now there are a lot of teams that yes. improved throughout the league. I think New Orleans improved a ton. They might be able to make the playoffs next year in Zion's rookie season. Uh, I look at what the Suns did. I mean, you add Rubio and Dario Sark. I kind of like that. I think that they're going to be a lot better just getting some adults in the room over there next to their young core. So pretty pretty sharp moves by the Bulls, I think, in free agency and totally changes the outlook of next year. Yeah, uh, moving on, we got Ryan Archidiakono. We've talked a lot about him. I think we both said that we we would like to possibly bring him back. I guess I'm surprised that they gave him three years, but I guess we'll see how that deal actually shakes out. Uh, three years, $9 million. It is cheap. I mean, $3 million for a real solid probably third point guard. Uh, Arch was honestly probably one of the Bulls' more effective players last season. His true shooting percentage was up like 58, 59. Uh, again, it's assist turnover ratio. Like we talked about how Sadaransky's good at that. Arch was actually even better. He, uh, I think he was up like even like top five, maybe top three in assist turnover ratio. We know he always hustles. The guy earned his contract. Uh, I really have no problem bringing him back as the guy. I mentioned that they basically used, they had early bird rights on him as a restricted free agent. So they were able to offer him this contract, three years, $9 million. I feel like it's totally fine. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's really all I got. They, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that they brought him back. Casey talked about how they really, really like him. I, and I totally understand why a guy who always shows up plays hard. And yeah, I mean, he's just a real, real solid player. He's really, he's pre, he's proved his worth as an NBA guy the last couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to note is that we did the free agency episode in the mock free agency episode last week and the Bulls, what they actually did was way better than what we were suggesting on that podcast. I feel like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so kudos to them for actually coming out and like signing guys who can meaningfully move the team forward towards the playoffs. Uh, I like Archie Diacono. I think that, you know, it's not totally guaranteed, I think, that he's going to be a legit NBA player, that he's going to be worth this contract. But he gives you some good depth there. Obviously, he's endeared himself to Boylan. I think that he's a good catch-and-shoot guy, doesn't turn it over, like you said. Uh, so I'm fine with Archie Diacono. And I think that, you know, now you're looking at the rest of the roster, and he's going to be, what, like their 10th man? Like, as a 10th or 11th man, I'm fine with Archie. Yeah, you can do way worse as a whatever twelfth, eleventh, twelfth man. I mean, I mean, it's, he was like, it was bad that I mean the Bulls were bad because they were playing him huge minutes. But if he's playing like emergency minutes or whatever, if they need him, they need a jolt. Like I feel like you can do way worse than Ryan Archdiakono. I guess we should move on to Luke Cornett then. I basically I don't know that much about Luke Cornett. I know that his dad played at Vanderbilt with Will Purdue. I know that he had a career high game against the Bulls this past season at the end of the year. Again, I think he had like 24 points, was raining threes. Uh, he let me pull up a sense. He got up. He like he's basically a chucker. He played 17 minutes a game last year with the Knicks. He took four threes a game in like 17 minutes a game. So this guy gets up shots, shot 36%. He really can't shoot two pointers. Like his overall shooting percentage was 38% because he shot 41% on two pointers. He's basically just a straight up gunner. He did block almost a shot a game in those 17 minutes a game. So basically as a backup center to spread the floor, if he's just like out there chucking threes, if you have Thad Dunn as your Thad Young as your backup four, Luke Cornett as your backup five, chucking threes. Like I feel like that kind of that does that. A little bit of dichotomy there kind of works. The Bulls still do have Felicio. They do have Daniel Gafford. I'm assuming Gafford probably won't play too much this season. And Felicio, 
I mean, who? I, I would assume that they're trying to find a way to get him off the roster. They're not going to stretch him, stretch his contract at this point. They'll maybe do that next season, get him or get him off the roster. Maybe they'll be able to trade him as an expiring or sometime this upcoming this season. So I'm assuming that uh, Young and then Cornette will be the main big guys off the bench. And I think the, they kind of work together. They got a tough guy in Young, and then they got this kind of a, a gunner and possible rim kind of rim protector in Cornette. Like I, I'm not going to say Luke Cornette is a great signing. I think it's totally fine. It seems like it's going to be probably pretty pretty cheap. But I mean, I like the idea of it of adding a stretch big man uh, off the bench. Yeah, there's this guy Jacob Goldstein on Twitter who's been uh, assessing each free yeah. agent signing around the NBA in terms of how many wins are added. And I believe Cornette added more wins to the Bulls total than Sadaransky. Really? Let me look that up. Yeah, he was plus two wins, basically, 1.98. Uh, and that moves Bulls in this goal time proje- projection to 39 wins on the year, which uh, is right about where they need to be to make the playoffs. So I think Cornette's interesting. I definitely remember him at Vanderbilt. He was just uh, – he's absolutely gigantic. He's 7'1". And he's going to shoot threes all the time. Like uh, our friend Mort tweeted a good stat that he was the only person with like over a 65% three point rate and a 4% block rate, him and Brooke Lopez. So basically you're trying to find a proto Brooke Lopez, I think with this signing, someone who gives them a lot of size on the interior and can also stretch the floor and shoot threes. Uh, when they have him and Markman in there at the same time, I don't know if that's going to be uh, tenable defensively whatsoever, but Man, you would just have some wide-open driving lanes for the guards at that point. Uh, I really like getting another shooter off the bench in the front court. I think that Cornette is really one of like the deep sleeper analytic darlings in this free agency class, and it just blows my mind that the Bulls were the team to identify him and to pick him up. Uh, really good signing. Now, they obviously do have a lot of centers already. They have Felicio on the roster. They have Daniel Gafford. Well, I still think this was a great move because – uh, Gafford, I mean, he could spend the whole season in the G League. You know, he's still so young. Yeah. Uh, second round pick, you can't really count on him to contribute at uh, any type of reasonable production at the NBA level as a rookie. And uh, then Felicio, it's like he has really dwindled in the last couple of years. Looks like a total lost cause at this point. Uh, he was pretty solid that one three alphas year when him and Dwayne Wade had some chemistry on the pick and roll, but. His stock is just totally taking a hit. So to be able to get a fourth big man you could play also gives you some insurance if Markinen gets hurt again this year to have another stretch big man in the rotation. Uh, really good signing, I think. Like, why not? You basically just get a, a seven-foot-one guy who's going to jack a bunch of threes. He's slow. He might get you torched on defense. But, uh, you know, hopefully if he's playing with Wendell Carter, if he's playing with Thaddeus Young, You'll put another defensive-minded big next to him, cover him up a little bit, and then offensively he's going to open up a lot of driving lanes and be able to knock down some threes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, like I said, I don't know too much about him, but I mean, the fact that win total, I was really surprised to hear that. I, I had been actually following those. I think it was Jacob Goldstein. I'd been fo- I'd, I'd seen the first three. I did not see that Cornette one. So the fact that he was that high on that, pretty impressive now that they're up to 39 on, on those projections. That's uh, pretty interesting. Before we talk about... Possibly the big picture stuff, uh, the rest of the roster. Let's uh, do a quick word from our sponsor. Let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. I know I like never get eight hours of sleep. I wish I could get eight hours of sleep, but I never really do. 
But one of sleep's biggest problems, temperature. It's tough to get a good sleep if you're too hot or cold. So I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. And that means if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. So sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free, plus free shipping with your pod purchase. It's a $300 value for free. This offer ends Monday, July 8th. So v- please visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-G sleep.com slash bluewire. All right, and we're back. So we've talked about the main guys they've signed. The Bulls actually did also sign a two-way player. Uh, his A French guy. I can't remember what his name off the top of my head is. Let me pull it up here. Do you remember his name off the top of your head? Uh, I'd have to look it up as well. I'd have to look it up as well. Like I said just a two-way player. Uh, they needed a new one. Adam uh, Mokoka? Makoka? Adam Makoka, six foot five shooting guard out of France. I don't know too much about him. I think uh sounds like he's pretty athletic, defensive minded player, but a terrible offensive player. Uh we'll have to look into that guy a bit more at some point. But let's talk about just the whole rot the rest of the roster in general now. What the, I guess the rest of the free agency might look like. I believe they are now at 15 roster spots. So basically that's the, the full roster, but there have been rumors about Chris Dunn being, possibly being on the move again with by bringing in Sadoransky by uh, reset or bringing back Archie Giacono. That that leaves them with they got Sadoransky, they got Kobe White, they got uh, Chris Dunn, and they got Ryan Archie Giacono. I feel like something's got to give there. Uh, I know Jake Fisher of Sports Illustrated reported yesterday that the Bulls are looking to trade Dunn or have been trying to find a trade. We've heard that his name was in rumors going back to the deadline and all that stuff and earlier in the season. Uh, I mean, you have to think Chris Dunn is a goner now at this point, right? Yeah, I think the decision to bring back Archie Diakono sort of indicates that Dunn's going to be gone, like you said. Uh, they got Sadoransky, they got Kobe White, they got Archie Diakono. So I think Dunn is probably the odd man out. They really need a wing because they only have two true small forwards they right do. now. Uh, with Otto and with Chandler Hutchison. Dude, Otto is, first of all, Otto is the best player on the Bulls. I just want to make sure that everyone's clear on that. He's also the most indispensable. I think that uh, if he goes down this year, like the whole season goes down with him, really. He is a huge piece for this year uh, because they're thin on the wing. And honestly, I think he's their best player. He also is a player option, Otto Porter does. After this year, it's for like $26 million, but he's only going to be 26 or 27 years old. Uh, so he might want to you know, opt out and sign a long-term deal. Uh, Otto Porter is going to be a really fascinating guy this year, but the Bulls do need a third small forward, I think. Uh, I'm not really sure the names who could be out there, uh, but you know, I would like to see them move done, try to get a small forward back. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Uh, because, and they could have options. I mean, they could try to move done just into somebody's cap space. I know there's not that much cap space out there anymore, but I don't know if another team has a trade exception or whatever teams do have cap space. If you can even get a second round pick or maybe a couple second picks. I just, his value is probably not very high, but at this, like there was, I don't want to trade him just to trade him. But like, if you can trade him and maybe open up cap space and sign a decent player, or if you just view, if they're going to have that room exception, still just to clear a roster spot, something that I had mentioned earlier on Twitter today, this was before they, 
they had the agreement from Cornette, except I'm not totally sure what his contract status is, but I was thinking about, I feel like they need to waive Blakeney. I just don't think there's any point for him on the roster either at this point. He's basically another combo guard. He's like a mix of a point guard and a shooting guard, but he's not a point guard at all because all he does is chuck shots. I just really don't think that there's really any place for him on the roster. He's got a guaranteed basically minimum contract. So I'd either, a couple options here. You could just waive him and look, use him to maybe find a wing. I was considering waiving him and just guaranteeing Shaq Harrison's contract. I know that'd be basically another point guard, but I don't even think Shaq Harrison's really a point guard either. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like a two, almost even a three in a point guard's body, just because he's a hounding defender who'd at least help with perimeter defense. He'd be basically just another emergency depth guy, kind of like Arches. So I was considering maybe just guaranteeing his contract and having him take Blakeney's spot. And then if you move done, then you use that other that last roster spot to get a. A wing. I don't even know if they could do that. I don't even know if they'd be able to move done because I think if they move done, then they have to bring somebody else in to. Actually, you know they would be able to do that. You move done, you get another wing, and then if you maybe dump Blakeney and put Harrison instead, I think I think that would work. That was something that I was considering. You don't have to keep Shaq Harrison at this point. He's certainly a replaceable guy. Uh, I definitely agree with you. They do need some help on the wing. Because if you look at their depth chart, like Casey was tweeting out their depth chart, uh, and it's basically like their backup. I think two was listed as like. I guess he just there's they just have a bunch of combo guards. They could really use another wing, like you mentioned. It's, it's basically Chandler Hudson at three, and he's mostly unproven at this point. Bringing a veteran in, like I don't know if they'll try to bring back Wayne Selden or if they could do better than that. I have not looked at who is like left on the board. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess J- guys like Jeff Green and Jared Dudley are more power forwards. I guess at this point, who I guess to be kind of be like, kind of be like Otto Porter backups if you would. But like I said, they're they're off the board now. Uh, so yeah, would you, what do you think about waving Blakeney? I think we talked about this briefly last time, waving Blakeney, maybe keeping Shaq Harrison, or you think that, but maybe just both those guys gone and figure out something to do with Chris Dunn and bring it, maybe another guy or two in. Yeah. Wave Blakeney. I'm done with Shaq Harrison too, just because while, while he's a good wing defender, uh, and I'm sure he endeared himself to Boylan a bit last year. Like they just have too many small guards. So I that's, think yeah, that's that totally you get one more small forward. Uh, and they should be good to go. Let me hold on. Let me see if I can. Let me pull up a small forward list here. I'm like I said. I'm not. There's so there was just so much action free agency uh, right from the start. It was absolutely fucking crazy. Just like right, we're so we're waiting on Kawhi still at this point. But like besides that, hey, they could bring a Jabari Parker back. Uh, let's see, Kelly Oubre still on the market, but he's probably going to go back to Phoenix. I feel like the restricted free agent market is just brutal at this point. Like just nobody ever like throws big offer sheets at teams anymore. It's like, he's waiting for a deal. Like Wilson Chandler's out there. Tabo Cephal, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, maybe. I don't think he's resigned yet. Like one. I feel like he'd be decent. Like obviously poor, really poor shooter, but if you're looking for a versatile defender can also probably play some power forward as well. Like him, Tabo, uh, if you, Stanley Johnson, Jake Lehman, uh, Justin Anderson, Corey Brewer. Basically, we're getting into scraps here. But I feel like Ron Alice Jefferson might be a really interesting. He's, I think, only like 24, 23, 24 at this point. I think that'd be a really interesting look. I don't think he has signed yet. So, yeah, I, somebody, somebody like that, they could use just another athletic wing with decent size. Totally totally agree on that, on that front. One thing I want to mention here, I have this theory. Now, I have no information on this, but just a theory that I have about this free agent period it feels to me like Garpacks like why do Garpacks make 
such shrewd moves at the start of free agency that totally go against the way they've operated over the you know entirety of this last decade. I think that Paxton and Foreman are probably allowing some other voices to enter the room. If you go back to the start of last season, I tweeted out an article today that Casey Johnson wrote the Tribune. The Bulls basically remodeled their front office. They gave promotions to a few different people, one of them being Brian Hagan, who I believe that his title is assistant general manager, uh, and also Steve Weinman. So I feel like allowing some new voices in the room, if that is what the Bulls did during this free agency period, was really, really beneficial. Like You never see the Bulls make sharp moves like this to improve around the margins. And in free agency so far, they've absolutely done it. So uh, I don't, if everyone's like sitting here being like, how the hell did the Bulls, like, you know, how the hell did Garpax actually make some good moves in free agency this year when, uh, you know, the Bulls' entire history is blowing it in free agency? I want to think that it's because uh, some new voices are in the room and not just Doug Collins, not just Jim Paxson, but actually some analytic leaning thinking because those are the types of moves they made in free agency this year that hasn't been their MO in the past. I think you can include the Otto Porter deal in that as well. I know that Paxson wanted to offer Bobby Portis an extension. Man, I'd much rather have Thaddeus Young than Bobby Portis. Thaddeus Young is the type of guy who improves everyone around him and who helps you win. Uh, Bobby Portis is just up there, you know, chucking shots and putting up empty numbers. So the Bulls got really lucky when Portis declined their extension offer. It was tough for Portis because I think he essentially just signed a one-year deal with the Knicks uh, with a club option on the second year of that deal. So, uh, So some smart moves by the Bulls, in my opinion, some new people are getting their voice heard. Yeah, that might very well be the case. Let's hope so. Because it's definitely the uh, arrow is pointing in the right direction with these moves. So let's, I guess, let's finish up here just with some talk about just the big picture of the roster. You wrote a, a column at Bloggable the other day after get, after the Young and Sadaransky agreements were reported, just how the Bulls have had a really nice offseason with these moves now that they've made a couple of their decent moves as well. So basically the question at the end, you brought this up earlier as well, is basically can the Bulls make the playoffs? We've kind of talked about uh, in this pod a lot that they're, they're still so far away that they're that they're not close at all. But I mean, we were talking about, I mean, those win projections from Jacob Goldstein at about 39 wins, which is basically right around there. I, st- I mean, that's still a huge improvement. I still uh, do not, would not predict them as a playoff team right now. Just, I'm not comfortable going that far. Would I, could I see it happening? Absolutely. Would I, do I predict it's going to happen? No, I still think they'll probably end maybe mid thirties to high, mid to high thirties, which again, that will have them right there. They'll, they'll probably you usually need around 40, 41, 42 wins to get in. But they, so they should basically be right in the mix. And something that you said that I kind of just liked is that uh, to basically finish off this column is that the Bulls have gone from terrible to possibly respectable. I think, and that they deserve some measured praise. Uh, and I just kind of like that. I think that they should be respectable. I don't think I think unless as long as they say it reasonably healthy. Again, like if they if a lot of guys get healthy or get injured again, like they. Maybe everything goes goes in the tank so far. But if they say even just reasonably healthy, they should take a step forward. The the pieces that they've added should make them better. Should add that should add a few wins. So like with if the young core takes reasonable steps forward, you have reasonable health. I think they could get into the mid or mid to high thirties. I've had people fans obviously telling me all oh, they they could win 40, 40, 45 games in the mid forties. I mean I think you got to really slow your roll on that. I know I think they did that uh, back in like the baby bulls days. They went from absolutely awful to like a four seed. I'm pretty sure in like one season. So like it has, I believe happened before. 
I feel like that's not really realistic to expect. If fans want to, if fans want to have those expectations, I'm not going to stop them. I'm not going to have those expectations myself, but I do have the expectations that they should be significantly better. That they should not be a fucking laughing stock like they basically have been these these last two years. And that they should put forward at least an entertaining, respectable product on the basketball court in 2019-20. Yeah, totally. So let's go through this playoff thing because. I think it's definitely possible. In my opinion, there's six teams in the Eastern Conference that are definitely in. The Bucks, the Raptors, even if they lose Kawhi, the Raptors are a playoff team. The Sixers, the Celtics, the Pacers, and the Nets. So I'm giving those six definitely in. And then in my opinion, there's going to be four teams fighting for two spots. You got the Magic, who made the playoffs last year, the Pistons. You got the Heat and the Bulls. So uh, I think that that's the position the Bulls are going to be in this year, battling with those four teams uh, for two spots in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Pistons are a pretty good team uh, around Blake Griffin, around Andre Drummond. The Heat and D-Rose Rose now, right? It's going to be D-Rose versus the Bulls in some late-season games fighting for a playoff spot. That could be fun. Uh, you know, the Heat have Jimmy now. Uh, they kind of got a weird team around them. Justice Winslow, they keep Drogic, actually. They move on from Whiteside, but they do have Bam Adebayo. Uh, that's a pretty interesting team. The Magic, I kind of don't believe in this year, but they have Markel Fultz. They're hoping for that rehabilitation tour. Uh, they still got Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. So uh, I think the Bulls can get the 8 seed. I'm going to go Heat 7, Bulls 8 right now. Uh, coming into the year, which... Man, I never thought I would say that. I really thought 35 wins was like the absolute ceiling for this team. And now I think 35 wins is the absolute floor. They're going to have to stay healthy. They need Larry Markkinen to make a jump. They need Carter uh, to stay healthy and to improve on his rookie season. Carter's only going to be 20 years old the entire year. Uh, he was one of the youngest players in that draft class. But I think that Carter's good enough to make you know a winning type of impact uh, in his second year. I really love the free agent signings. Uh, Markinen to me is the guy who enters the year with the most pressure because, you know, for all the talk, I think of him being the Bulls brightest young piece, uh, he kind of profiles as a one dimensional scorer right now. He really needs to diversify his game mostly as a playmaker. And then if he can make any sort of impact on defense, but, uh, right now he's sort of a one dimensional scorer, but this is a make or break year for Markinen. Someone on my bloggable piece commented that when the Bulls moved up, uh, to get him with the Jimmy Butler trade, took him at seven, but they included their own 16th pick. Two players were still on the board at that point, Jared Allen and John Collins, two big men. Are we really sure Lowry Markkinen's better than both those guys? I want to believe he is because I like Markkinen's game. He was still able to score at a 55% true shooting percentage, which is uh, like average, solid, respectable. Uh, but that was with him only hitting 36% of his three. So I think if he improves as a three-point shooter, you could see the rest of his scoring efficiency go way up. If he can just improve a little bit as a passer, which Levine did last season, he got his career high in assist rate last year up to 22%. Uh, I think the Bulls could really make a major jump up the standings. Markinen is the guy with the most pressure on him right now because – uh, I feel like he could go either way. He could be a one-dimensional guy who doesn't make a big impact on winning, or you know maybe he does become a perennial twenty-point-per-game scorer who can also contribute in some other areas. Yeah, uh, good point, sir. I guess I th- I think they should be able to be a good offensive team. I th- also thought that last year they were going to be good offensively. Uh, they would they would be fun, but they would be bad. 
they ended up just being fucking awful and not even fun bad. They were just absolutely terrible. I would hope with the pieces that they do have, they should be at least a competent offensive team, maybe even one of the a top half offensive team in the league. We we saw them go off in February. They were, I believe, uh, it was either the best or like the second or third best offensive rating in the NBA in February. But in that month, they were also terrible defensively. So I, I think that's going to be – I think they're going to be good offensively. I think what the strides they make defensively, I think, could determine if they're actually going to make the playoffs or not. That's where we hope that these free agent signings are hopefully going to make a huge part, where a guy like Thad Young will help. Sadransky isn't like a defensive stop or anything, but I think he's just a solid team defender. He's not going to be an absolute sieve out there. Luke Cornett, I mean, whatever. I mean, Art's a solid defender. But basically, I think Thad Young will be a huge help there. And then Wendell Carter Jr., I think his him developing on the defensive end as that defensive anchor, I think is going to be really important to, to make this team go from one of the worst defensive teams in the league to even if they're – they don't even have to be good defensively. If they're even if they're going to be as good offensively as I think that they possibly can be, uh, if they can even just be like top, like just top twenty in the league and just not absolutely atrocious, that might be enough to get them into an eight seed and possibly into the playoffs. So I think de- how they develop defensively, I think, could determine just how good they can be. Because I do think they're probably going to be pretty good offensively, unless again there's like just a ton of injuries. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. They definitely put themselves now to try to follow in the position what the Nets did, in my opinion, which is to build a good young yep. team for two years and then go sign your superstar in 2021 free agency. I tweeted a few names who are going to be available in 2021. Giannis is the big guy. You'll also have Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal, uh, Paul George, who will be 31, Anthony Davis, you think he's probably uh, – off now and then the 2017 class like Jason Tatum and those guys will be restricted free agency that year so uh I think the Bulls definitely still need a star and really this should have been the easy part just getting back to respectable they're either going to need one of the guys on the team currently to take a major jump to start giving you star level production uh be it Markinen Carter or uh Kobe White potentially or Zach so uh, that's the other thing they need. And then it's like, how do you acquire a star from the outside? Because they still need to do that. And they're not actually going to be looking good until they really acquire a star. So the next two years to me are all about, you know, make the playoffs, be an emerging young team. Hopefully Kobe shows something. Hopefully marketing gets better. Hopefully Carter's as good as I think he can be. Uh, and then, you know, you try to sign your star in 2021. And last thing I want to say about this, you know, bit about chasing the playoffs this year I don't think that we should be scared to say it like the Bulls themselves should embrace this uh, as their goal for the year, because it's obvious with their free agent signings that, you know, they're not trying to acquire, uh, you know, the number one pick next year. Like they're not trying to tank. They're not trying to acquire a superstar right. through the draft. Now they're trying to acquire a superstar oh, yeah, they're trying to win. through a trade or through free agency. So because you've, you know, uh, taken away the draft route because you've built too good of a team for that, uh, I think that the Bulls should embrace the goal of trying to be a playoff team. And then if they fail, I think it's a huge indictment on Jim Boylan because Boylan did seem to build up a little bit of goodwill at the end of last season. We know the Bulls front office loves him with Paxson and Foreman especially. So uh, I think the pressure's on Jim Boylan this year. Like, prove it, dude. We gave you this golden opportunity. You're the head coach of an NBA team after grinding your whole life to get to this point. 
Uh, I want to see Boylan be an actual good NBA coach to make me eat my words when I said he should never coach an NBA game again and actually get this team to the playoffs. It should be a challenge for the Bulls. They shouldn't be scared of it. And yeah, you know, you don't get a Grant Park parade for being the eighth seed in the East, but it would be a pretty big improvement to the Bulls after only winning 22 games last year. And to a point about that, uh, I feel like a lot of people, I feel like most of the people I've seen, I, I follow like a lot of the Bulls analysts, uh, have really let, and just national analysts have I feel like have said nice things about the Bulls offseason. I think a lot of general fans might be kind of like, "Oh, these these moves suck. Like these are nobodies. Like they're not help. Like where are the Bulls actually going with this? Uh, like what's going on? This rebuild's not going anywhere." Uh, and I feel like I, just, I guess I just don't really know. I mean, I I do think uh, Matt, your friendly Bulls blogger, did write a thing about like how it's ridiculous that the Bulls weren't in play at all for like the star free agents. I think that's absolutely true. That's kind of pathetic that the Bulls in this market with a decent young core weren't even like even were basically just a total afterthought with any of these star players. That aside, looking at it realistically, uh, the, I mean the Bulls have really done as best as you can expect. So I don't anyone like complaining about. It? I feel like these free agent moves, like I think that's kind of ridiculous. Like they've added guys that will clearly add wins to the team, clearly make them better. Like they're not splashy moves, but at this point, like the Bulls have to be mediocre before they can be really good. Like there was, there was nothing the Bulls were going to do this offseason that was going to take them from 22 wins to, to a great team, like unless they signed whatever. And there was no way that was going to happen. Kevin Durant's hurt. Kyrie Irving wouldn't, probably wouldn't drag this team to – I mean, he'd, he'd probably drag them to mediocrity. This team has to be mediocre before they can be good. So we can't really – I don't want to worry about like, well, like they're, if they're at the 8s or 7s, like that's the best they're, they're going to be. Well, no, like what we're hoping basically is like the young guys that they do have – will develop that the, the veterans they brought in will help them raise the profile a bit to a mediocre team that the young guys will end up either pushing them forward or they're using trade as trade assets to get one of those stars. Like you mentioned, so like the worrying about the, like the bulls, like in their ceiling right now, like I feel like they, if they, if they're a mediocre team next year, that is a huge improvement because they were so fucking bad the last couple of seasons. So like it's, it would be great if they went, if they even if they won like 39, 40 games, so they, if they finish as the nine seed, like that's a great step. And then if hopefully they would take even the next step in 2020. So I feel like this, I feel like this, this offseason, like I don't know if like home run is the right word because they didn't make any like splashy moves, but they've done a really, really good job. And if the Bulls, again, if the Bulls are mediocre next year, that's honestly probably really, really good still. Yeah, best case scenario for the Bulls, get the Bucks in a first-round playoff matchup. Try to show Giannis that you got an emerging yeah. young team with some There you go. Uh, because Giannis is going to be the big guy in the 2021 free agent class. I have no faith in the Bulls being able to actually reel in that star, but it is nice to see them make some winning moves uh, on the margins and we, we've had a couple of people ask us about Bradley Beal. That'd be a good. Yeah, I was actually going to bring him up. <laughs> already been able to uh, rip off the Wizards twice, so why stop now? And yeah, man, I think you know I'm actually excited about next year. Now it's going to be it's going to be a fun team because I think with Sadoransky, with Thad Young, even with someone like Cornette and Archidiakno, you have some veterans in place who can help the core move forward and not get their face beat in. Uh, and, you know, in a scenario where they missed the playoffs, the Lakers, I think, were 12th in the lottery standings this year and jumped up to fourth. So because of the new lottery reform, like, you're not as incentivized to be yep. a super bad team. I think that, you know, the NBA accomplished what it sought out to when it made that lottery reform. Uh, and now here are the Bulls. You know, they're not trying to find a superstar through the draft anymore. They're going to try to get one. 
another way. So I'm into it. I think, you know, I suddenly have some more faith in the front office moving forward because in my opinion, these were not John Paxson signings. These were, you know, someone else who was uh, advising these free agent <laughs> signings. So, uh, but, you know, credit to Paxson for empowering those people if that actually is what happened. So uh, I'm really happy with this offseason and uh, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm kind of excited for the Bulls next year. Yeah, I, I mean, you talk about getting another star, and you mentioned Bradley Beal. I think the Bulls are like in a decent spot for that next star, a couple stars, if the disgruntled guys who want to hit the market. Again, the Wizards are a joke. I feel like they've told Beal they're not going to trade him, but I feel like he's going to be out pretty soon. So I feel like the Bulls, whether it's him, who, whatever next star is out there, they have some nice young pieces. Now they have another, I think Sadransky is a guy who could possibly also throw in for a trade for a star. It could be a valuable like second or third piece for a trade. Like They have some nice pieces that are where if they want to go out and make that big splashy blockbuster trade for a star, if he comes available, I think they're in a pretty decent position to do it. So they don't really, like I said, they don't really have to necessarily have to worry about tanking at this point. Like the free agent thing has never really worked out. Like you said, I like I would be surprised in 2021 if they're they sign like a superstar guy. I mean, maybe they could. I don't know. We'd never know. But I think they're in decent position to to get a star via trade if if it comes to that. So yeah, I think I I totally agree with you. I I went into last season thinking that I was going to really enjoy the Bulls season. It obviously turned into absolute disaster. But now after this, a solid off season uh, with some of these nice young pieces and with the guys that they signed. Uh, these veterans, yeah, I think there is reason to be excited about the Bulls next year, and it's actually, and hopefully, hopefully, it actually turns out to be exciting and not like the kick in the nuts that the 2018-2019 season was. All right, I think that that about wraps it up. I, I think so. Uh, once again, as always, shout out to Blue Wire Pods. Go check out all the great pods across the Blue Wire Network. We're doing a lot of exciting stuff over there, a lot of different stuff. Keyword, keep adding pods by the day. Please go uh, rate and review us. You can listen to us uh, all over the place. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun places. Uh, the, for Blue Wire Pods, you can follow us on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, so this has been Cash Considerations. We'll see. We're still waiting on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, once he get once he signs, uh, that's basically about it for free agency. The Bulls are basically done. Maybe a few, maybe Chris Dunn's move, maybe Chris Dunn trade, maybe another sign or two. But the Bulls, pretty nice free agency. We'll see if anything else happens here. Uh, so this has been Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast. Jason and Ricky, have a good night, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.